0: Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate and experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today. And my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain his flame that he has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame this week. I am Keith Collins, your host, and I am blessed, blessed, blessed to know that you are listening. And I know many people listen from throughout the United States as well as around the world to these episodes. And each and every week I count it such an honor, such a privilege to be able to come to you and to share truths that encourage you, that challenge you, that really stir you to really go after the Lord with a greater fervency than ever before. The the entire really purpose for this podcast is to really awaken fresh passion, fresh hunger for more of Jesus. Coming to the place that we recognize that as a child of God, our native cry should be there has got to be more, So we are completely <laughs> satisfied with who the Lord is. However, we are hungry to know him more, and we never want to grow lethargic. We never want to come into a place of neutral spirituality. We never want to get to a place to where we feel like we have arrived in the kingdom of God. There should always be something within us that that searches for deeper places in the Lord. And I don't mean... Getting off in error and false doctrine. I don't mean that in any way shape or form But what I do mean is this there is no end to the Lord his holiness His truths his beauty his mercy his long suffering his power his Transcendency his his glory. I mean there's just no end to him So I want to encourage you as you listen today as you listen week in and week out to ask the Lord Lord Make me more hungry for you. And I believe it's really a two part dynamic here. We have a part to play. We make ourselves available to the Lord. The Lord says, if you seek me, you'll find me. So we we pursue him. We go after him. We make sure that we have a prayer life, that we are in the word of God, that we are fellowshipping other believers, that we are being faithful to do the work of an evangelist. In other words, we do have a part to play at the same time. God is faithful to make himself available to those that long for him. He says in the word of God, it's very, very clear. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, friend, we've got a role to play, but the Lord adds to us. So, again, I'm glad you're listening today. Last week, I talked about a subject that I simply called, We Need the Fire of God. And I believe that with all of my heart. As I look at the condition of America, as I look at the condition of the nations, as I see the hopelessness, as I have watched the, the scourge of postmodernism that has led to, to nihilism, to hopelessness, and we see all the the tragedy, the calamity, the, the shootings, the violence. Um, the loss of honor in our culture the drug addiction the suicides the the families that are being torn apart the perversion of marriage the perversion of family units the destruction of the nuclear family friend we are in desperate need of the fire of god so oftentimes when we talk about the fire of god we immediately think about revival which is the right thing to do of course and last week i i opened up this subject really dealing with some of the fact that are some history regarding revival facts and as many of you know i was a part of the brownsville revival and eventually became one of the leaders there overseeing the school and before that i was um, a dean of students there and a faculty member but the glory of god was so powerful there it was amazing but i never want to get to a place to where i remember what god did However, I just live in the memory of what God used to do. And I believe a lot of times when we talk about the fire of God, and I'm going to return to this subject that we need the fire of God, oftentimes it becomes, um, nostalgic. It becomes historical facts, and, and there's nothing wrong with studying the history of revival. I've done that. I shared a little last week. I've, I've been to many places around the world where there were great outpourings or great revivals. Um, of course, the Brownsville Revival, I was there for most of that move of God. I have visited Mariah Chapel where the Welsh revival started in 1904. I've been to Barvis um, on Lewis Island on the outer Hebrides of Scotland where the Hebrides revival took place starting in 1949 and in other places. So my point is this. I love revival history. I love talking about revival. I love um, singing about revival. I love talking to those that have been in revival. I was actually honored years ago, maybe five years ago or so, to visit Barvis, and there was a couple that were in their 90s that were actually a part of the Hebrides revival back in 1949, and I actually talked to them and, and listened to them share about the history, and man, it was so powerful and so encouraging, so I, I can talk about revivals all day, my friend. However, I don't want to come to the place to where I just know the history of what God has done, how God has moved, um, what God is capable of doing. I believe that there has to be a hunger in my heart, in your heart, for God to do it again. We are in desperate, desperate need of a move of God. And again, I don't just mean a good church service. I told you last week when I talk about the fire of God and revival, I'm not talking about the parking lot being filled and the the seats or the pews being full. Those things happen in the midst of outpourings, but revival is much more than that. It is the arresting of the heart of the church. It, it awakens the church. And of course, revival starts in the church. Judgment begins at the house of God. And I, I told you last week that revival is not what we oftentimes think it is. Um, sometimes revival and oftentimes revival, I believe comes to To deal with the sinful condition of the heart of the church even the leaders and um it's uh it's a challenging thing so so i want to return and spend some time with you this week again talking about the fire of god so this is we need the fire of god part two but what is the fire of god why do we need it um Is it necessary for us to have the fire of God? I read a quote last week. I want to read it again. Ian Bounds says this, God must be represented by a fiery church, or he is not truly represented. God is all fire, and his church, if it be like him, must also be aflame with the great eternal interest of his. So Ian Bounds, who lived back during the Civil War era of the United States, the um, mid-1800s, Ian Bounds Is basically saying this. If we're gonna claim to be the church of Jesus Christ, then we must possess and convey his nature. And what is the nature of God? Hebrews 12, 29, I'll, I'll read that again. For our God is a consuming fire. That's his nature, that is who he is. And so Ian Bound is saying, listen, If the church is going to be normal, if we're going to really be the New Testament church that is called of God, anointed of God, directed by God to do his eternal purposes on the earth, then we must be a people full of fire. We can't just be a stoic, dead, religious people. And I don't just mean noise and excitement. Of course, that's part of fire sometimes, but I'm talking about a people that are consumed with his nature, that, that carry his burning virtues in our lives, that, that as we live for him and love him and serve him, that we're a people that have a burden for a lost and a dying world. We're a people that join the Lord in prayer, that we are a people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we have continual experiences with the power of the Holy Spirit, even fresh baptisms of the fire of God, that we are a people that not just allow, but that Come to a place to where we anticipate and pray that the fire of God would manifest even in our prayer meetings, even in our corporate gatherings, that we're not ashamed of the Holy Spirit, that we're not controlled by a clock on the back of a wall in a church building, but we are controlled and we are motivated by the fire of God. So Ian Bounds is saying, listen, to be God's people, we must possess his nature. He is a God of Fire. So, what does this fire do? Well, I read some Old Testament scriptures to you last week, as well as some New Testament scriptures and Shared that when the Lord came down, we can read this in Exodus chapter nineteen. That that the mountain Mount Sinai was covered with smoke. Why? Because the Lord came down on the mountain in fire. Exodus says, and there was like uh, like like the smoke from a burning furnace. One translation said, as the whole mountain shook or trembled violently. Again, God is a consuming fire. The Israelites in his, in Exodus twenty four they they beheld the the glory of the Lord it said it looked like it was a consuming fire on the top of Mount Sinai John said that Jesus will or that he would baptize you Jesus would baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire so again we see this in the New Testament on the book in in the book of Acts chapter two very famous scripture the day of Pentecost when it came it said there appeared tongues as a fire upon the heads of all those 120 something took place after that there was a glory that rested upon them peter preached the gospel 3000 were added to the church that day the fire of god was working it was manifesting it was powerful so so what does the fire of god do well let me let me read a quote from the late william booth who lived from 1829 and died in 1912. He and his wife, Catherine, founded the Salvation Army. And there's a a song that he wrote. Uh, We used to sing it in the Brownsville Revival. But listen to the words of this. Thou Christ of burning, cleansing flame, send the fire. Thy blood-bought gift today we claim, send the fire. Look down and see this waiting host. Give us the promised Holy Ghost. We want another Pentecost, send the fire. What is William Booth saying? William Booth recognized and he realized even in the work that they were doing through the Salvation Army, which at one time was a fiery movement, it was an evangelistic movement, an apostolic work birthed in the heart of this this man of God named William Booth and his wife Catherine Booth. And these people literally went to the worst parts of England, worst parts of London, to the places that were very challenging, full of violence and debauchery, and they brought the fire of God and the word of God and saw amazing results. So what is William Booth saying? Listen, we must have the fire of God for cleansing, to to reveal the nature of God and his purposes in a generation, and as we are looking at a culture now that is full of perversion, debauchery, ungodliness. Um, you name it, friend. The the glorification of homosexuality and pansexuality and transgenderism. I mean, we are we're in such a place of wickedness and such a demonstrative display of perversion that's being celebrated as as love and as moral and and as good. The only thing that's going to really deal with a dying world is the truth of the gospel accompanied with the fire of God. And listen, it is our role. I know that God is sovereign. He can do anything. However, he chooses to use people, his church. We are his plan. We are his Um, ambassadors in the day that we live. We are called of God. Like Keith Green said, I'm paraphrasing Keith Green, who died many years ago, but Keith Green said that every generation of Christians is responsible for the generations on the earth. And I believe that we have a mandate. We have a responsibility. There is purpose in our existence. We are not just called to sit in a building two or three days a week, or most people one day a week, or maybe twice a month, and hear three songs and a 25-minute sermonette that you know makes us feel good, even if we're in compromise and sin, and then just kind of go through our lives where Jesus is just... No, friend, that is not Christianity. We are called to burn. We are called to be representatives. We are called to bring the breath of eternity to a world that is blinded by satan's sin and self we are called to 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 be firebrand i was just at a conference in west virginia that some dear friends of mine mike and sandy robinson host every year and i've been going for the last 15 years this is our 15th year but the very name of the conference is firebrand in other words Recognizing that, that we are called of God to, to bear His glory, to burn for Him, to, to agitate society with the truth of the Word of God. We are called to make a difference in the generation that we live in. We're not called just to amalgamate or just to fit in with the Spirit of the world. No, friend, God has called us to be fire brands. We must have His fire. So what does the fire of God do among the people of God? first of all, fire is validation. It is proof. In other words, God's presence, even among Israel, was the very thing that validated the fact that she was Israel, the, the chosen people of God, the, the covenant people of God. And it, it remains so today, even in the church, that, that, listen, when God is truly among us, we don't have to prove to anyone that we are called by his name to do his work. Well, listen, it In the natural, when a building is set on fire, you don't have to advertise it. People see that there's something burning, and they are drawn to the fire. The fire of God is a testimony. It's a validation. It is a proof. It is the proof that that God is moving in and among his people. You see, I believe that the testimony of the Lord is his own glory among the people of God which we are ordained to carry in us as well as upon us you see this weight of glory proves or again it validates the authenticity of his eternal workings that consume us as his people for his eternal purposes so why do we need the fire of God the fire's validation the the fire is proof the fire reveals the nature of God Upon his people. I'm reminded of a story that I read years ago about Charles Finney, who was a revivalist used in the Second Great Awakening in the 1800s in America. And there was a time when Finney walked into a plant. And literally, those that were in the plant were literally brought into conviction before the man even said anything, because there was such a fire in Charles Finney's life that he literally brought the weight of heaven, of glory, of fire with him into the midst of that plant, and they had to respond because they recognized there was something holy and divine among or within this man of God. And I'm not trying to be critical, but, but sadly today, you can live in blatant rebellion, sin, perversion, and go into many churches and never even feel convicted because there's no fire. There's no truth. There's no conviction. There's no godly sorrow leading to repentance. It's just like a big social club where where Jesus is used to validate that we are a church or that they are a church, but there's no fire. There's no power. There's no demonstration. Friend, the fire of God is validation. It's proof that God is among his people, that he's working in power and in demonstration. Number two, fire also demands purity. Fire demands purity. Psalm twenty three, three and four. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may experience the glory of God, the fire of God? Those that are pure. You see, my friend, the fire among us must purify us or it is not the true fire of God. Now, I've I've heard people say they've had revival. They've had a move of God. And oftentimes, there's this glibness or this shallowness. And again, I'm not against the joy of the Lord. I believe in the joy of the Lord. I, I don't even have a problem with people Feeling the joy of the Lord, and I felt it myself many times over the last – Three plus decades of serving God and 36 years of preaching the gospel. But listen to me. When the fire of God is present, it always comes to clean. It comes to, to scorch before it heals oftentimes. And you see, even in the natural, fire is a purifying agent. Many things are put into fire. Why? Because it burns away the dross. It, it burns away the impurities and, and the fire causes only that, that is pure to stand every man's work the bible said will be tried by fire fire demands purity i'm not talking about legalism but i'm talking about a life of holiness That comes from within and manifests even on the outside. Why? Because the fire of God is among you. See, it is the nature of God, again, to scorch before he heals. There must be an experience of his holiness or there is not authentic fire but strange fire. We know the scripture and with Hofnah Phinehas who offered strange fire unto the Lord and they were killed as a result. I believe there are many people playing with strange fire, calling it revival, calling it a move of God. Listen, if people are not convicted and brought to purity and brought to righteousness, then friend, it is not authentic fire. The fire will clean, it will purify, it will cleanse. That is the nature of God's Spirit. He, His very nature causes men and women to humble themselves under conviction and come to deep, deep repentance. You see, the fire of God, the joy of God, revival, it, it must consist of more than excitement, blessing, and joy. Even though these can all be very real, authentic fire will bring Even an awareness of sin, I know it's not popular, but it's truth anyhow, it'll bring an awareness of sin that leads to a life of repentance and reflection and not condemnation. So listen, fire, the fire of God purifies. Number three, the fire also instills deep passion, unquenchable love for the Lord. I I love Psalm 42, I love songs about this, and I, I love preaching about this, but Psalm 42, 1, as the deer or the heart pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God, or longs for you of God. You see, the authentic fire of God violently grips our hearts and consumes our desires and passions. If it's truly the fire of God, we become very much aware of the fact that only God can satisfy the longings of those who have tasted of his presence. See, I believe the reason that a lot of people are not in love with Jesus and they're not able to stay faithful to serving God is because they've never really seen him as he is because preachers have preached this weakened... um, version of jesus that is not biblical but listen when jesus is seen in his beauty in his holiness in his power when the fire of god is manifested through the preaching of the gospel my friend longing for him, longing passion for him is awakened. You see, fire will destroy the spiritual dullness as well among the people of God. The reason that people are dull in their spiritual walk is because they don't have a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. Listen, the fire of God will always illuminate Jesus and in turn, as the old song says, the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory And grace. You see, with natural fire, if it is let loose and the barriers are destroyed, the result is a violent, consuming apprehension of everything in its path. And I believe this is a pattern or a a parable, a picture of God and the way He moves and consumes His own people. In turn, the result is a demonstrative display of His glory that can and will arrest a generation for God's purposes, for God's eternal. Purposes. You see, friend, the fire of God will bring about passion, hunger, and thirst, holy desperation. To know Jesus, to love Him. There's, there's a love for Him that's awakened in our hearts. Kind of like the love that Paul talked about in Ephesians, that, that, that his prayer for the, the church in Ephesus was to know how high and wide and how deep the love of Christ was, the love of God was. You see, when the fire of God is present among the people of God, the love for the Lord is stoked. Those flames in our hearts grow hotter and hotter and hotter we are brought into a place of deep desperation for him and we realize that only more of jesus will ever satisfy us let me ask you a question are there other things that are satisfying you in this generation because here's the deal if you've ever partaken of the Lord and come to know him and then try to feast from the things of this world you will be most miserable with no satisfaction with no contentment the only thing that satisfies the only thing that 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 quenches the thirst of the child of god is more jesus nothing else friend you see fire awakens this deep passion this deep love for jesus and my last point is this number four and i'm closing here in just a couple of minutes fire will always beget more fire fire will stoke more fires it will produce more passion more hunger more fire acts 2 47 b and the lord added to the church daily those who were being saved you see on the day of pentecost the fire of god fell the gospel was preached the power of god was manifested and then the fire began to spread throughout jerusalem then judea samaria the uttermost parts of the world why because fire always begets fire you you get around people that know jesus and one or two things happen you either get away from them because you are still living for yourself, and you are still living for sinful desires, our friend, you are drawn to them, and their fire stokes your fire. Their passion for Jesus begins to increase your passion for Jesus. When fire begins to fall, when fire begins to to demonstrate itself, when... or or when the fire of God is demonstrated, when the glory of God is revealed, then people get hungry. They get thirsty. Man, they they begin to pray together. I, I know this happened in my own life when I first got saved. Others began to get saved. Why? Because fire always begets fire. You see, the truth is that true fire must beget more true fire. And those who are on fire for the Lord cause others to hunger for what they are also experiencing. You see, will we, will we as the people of God become God's fuel? I believe there's two things needed for fire to burn. Three things. Number one, there has to be oxygen. Number two, there has to be fuel. And number three, there has to be a willingness to allow God to burn us. Um, Amy Carmichael said, Make me thy fuel, O flame of God. What was she saying? God, I want to be that one that's willing to be put into your fire so that your eternal interests can burn in and through me. Let me just say this as I close. The fire of God is not for everybody, and I'll tell you why. Because, friend, fire will deal with you. It will reveal your Desires, it will reveal your purposes, it will reveal your your longings, your ambitions, it will cause your heart to really be revealed. So you gotta ask yourself when you're asking God for fire, do you really want the fire of God? Because the fire again, Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a consuming fire. What does fire do? It consumes, it takes away your identity. But when you allow that to happen, friend, then your life becomes eternal fuel for the purposes of God. I want to just pray this prayer. Father, fill your people with fire. I pray right now around the world as people are listening, let your fire fall upon the altars of their hearts. Touch them, use them. Work in and through their lives and do in them what only you can do. Fresh fire of God. Fall on hearts right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame today. I want to encourage you to visit our website. You can find us at keith-collins.org You can also find us at impact the word impact G-F- Org. We'd love to hear from you. You can communicate with us through the website. You can also stand with us as partners and support us as we continue to make these programs available to people around the world. May the fire of God burn in your heart as never before, and may the eternal purposes of God be the air that you breathe. God bless you, and we will see you next week again on an episode. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf. Org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.